Hello and welcome back to Eldritch Girl Chapter 3 Part 2. I say it at the start of each book but I haven't said it at this one um, but obviously I'm not doing accents um, because if I try and do any accent it generally comes out as South Welsh which is why they all sound like they're from Newport. Um, <laughs> they're not. Um, but I, yeah, uh, can't afford someone who can actually professionally do accents so sorry guys you're stuck with me. I hope you're enjoying it so far. I know we're only a very short way into it. Content warnings for part two. Uh, emesis and some more graphic wound description. Um, discussion of addiction and sobriety. And we get Wes actually having a vision and that manifests as like a seizure. There's also references to self-mutilation, um, some graphic bits in the visions that Wes has, um, so building fires, um, dead bodies, various uh, things, a pigeon dies, um, <laughs> yeah, um, that's all wrapped up in the, the visions that he has, but it's they're all quite graphic depictions of the end of the world, so um, yeah, watch out for that. So uh, there we go. Also reference to erectile dysfunction. So here we go. Chapter three, part two. Wes stared after his sister. Jesus Christ. What was that about? What did I say? I can't imagine, Carrie said dryly, supporting his cousin. But it'd be great if we could deal with one porter crisis at a time. Ricky groaned as she lifted him over her shoulder and began to climb the steps. Carrie lowered her voice, but Wes still heard her croon to him as she bore him upwards. Shh, we'll patch you up, love. Don't you worry. Wes squinted up to the top of the steps as Carrie reached the pile of clothes Katie had left behind. The gulls circled above them, white pinwheels in the grey blanket of the sky. He struggled up in her wake and found the car park deserted, his gorgeous baby in classic red exactly as he'd left her. The kids and their football were gone. Carrie eyed his seats when he opened the passenger door. How is this going to work? He needs to lean forward. Wes couldn't look. Something wriggled out of the exposed rib on Ricky's side, white and thick, then burrowed back into the necrotic flesh. Wes was sick in his mouth. He swiveled away and spat up on the grass. Oh, God. I can't. Holy hell. What did they do to him? Carrie sounded close to tears, if a building could cry. She was less a person now, more a sculpture of vaguely sexy dimensions, Wes thought, if angles were your sort of thing. I won't stand a chance with her if this is my fault, too. The day he'd left for London, high on silver lining and not knowing Katie was going to kill their parents and siblings that same morning, Wes had called in on Uncle George. He'd forced him to hand over something Granny Wendt had concocted to keep Ricky docile, unable to change. Now Wes had it, an innocuous jar of ointment hidden away at Hugo's. If they'd tried to make something else, they'd clearly fucked it up. It hadn't protected them, but it had done him a lot of damage. He caught a glimpse of his cousin's wounds again as she put him in the car, and his libido died as quickly as it had sparked into life. I don't know. Wes got hold of himself with effort, regulating his breathing. Can you drive? I don't know if I... No, I can't. 
Carrie got Ricky into the seat and strapped him in as best she could, but Wes couldn't watch. He let her diminish into a piece of terracotta and slipped her into his pocket for the drive back, with Katie's clothes balanced on his knees in a folded pile. It took too long, no matter how he focused on the road, windows down and fan on. He was nose-blind by the end, but the crusty, earthy stink of Ricky's clothes, overlaid with sweet rot and pierced through with notes of piss and shit and God only knew what else, would take forever to get out of the upholstery. It had depth to it. The peripheral movement, not of muscle but things under the skin, turned his stomach. He threw up again on Fairwood House's driveway as soon as he parked up and stumbled out into the fresh air. Katie was waiting for them in Carrie's dressing gown, a little short on her but covering her modesty, slick new skin toweled dry after her change. The house had unlocked itself upon her arrival, which Wes thought was pretty impressive when the collective consciousness of all its rooms and hallways was manifested several miles away at the beach. "'I've called Mill Street Surgery for an emergency house call. They said Dr Monday might be able to come out at three and to run a bath and take samples of the of the, um, the wound area and urine,' Katie said as soon as they got there. She barely glanced at Ricky's body and Carrie's arms, her eyes fixed defiantly on Wes's face, as if she was trying to prove something. "'I ran a warm bath for him, you know, to try and clean him up and clean the wounds. I don't know if that's right, but just in case, I found some um, some anti-back stuff in the first aid kit in the kitchen. I don't know how old it is, and I'm not sure if it'll be enough, but I put it by the bath with some flannels.' Carrie carried Ricky through the hall and up the stairs without a word, and Katie, with a last lingering look at Wes, followed. She was still talking.' Wes scratched his neck and sauntered away to the living room, bulldozed by his sister's whirlwind efficiency. "'Yes, you can handle things better than I can. Well done. "'You don't have to prove anything to me.' "'He didn't think he could handle the next part. "'He put his feet up and tried to shake the grim images from his mind "'and the stench from his nostrils, "'unable to quite shake the feeling they had not been alone in that cave. "'His phone rang. "'Tina.' "'Hey,' Wes said, leaning back against the sofa arm, "'feet over the edge of the other one. "'What's up, babe?' Tina sounded anxious. I can't get hold of Carrie. I'm stuck in work piecing George Porter's skull back together and she's not answering a bloody phone. Ricky's really gone off the fucking deep end this time. Can you go and see if... Whoa, whoa, I'm there now. She's fine. Wes dropped his voice into a soothing tone in the hope that its effect would remain with her after it had been erased from her memory. She's totally fine. He's in a bad way, but nothing we can't handle. Tina gave a quiet gasp of relief. "'Thank the goddess. I was getting so worried. He'd never hurt her. You know that, right?' Wes didn't mean to get defensive on Ricky's behalf, and the prickle of... Was that indignation? Surprised him. He blinked. "'Uh, I mean, I know you can't stand him, but he's really not... He killed my puppy in front of me,' Tina said, her voice cold and flat. "'A girl in my class went missing right after he said he liked her eyes.' Yeah, okay, he's always been creepy. Creepy? He's a fucking serial killer. I know your family treat him like some kind of, of spiritual leader or consultant or whatever it is that has you all paying court to him. Wes burst out laughing despite the current situation unfolding upstairs. Is that what you think? Oh, God, T, you make him sound like the Dalai Lama. Tina waited until his chuckles died a death at her pointed silence, and he heard her slow, deliberate inhalation before she continued, words clipped. Richard Porter has not got a good track record of caring for the things he loves. That's if he does love at all. 
and if he hurts my friend she trailed off and wes felt the ominous weight of her unspoken threat without understanding what it was hey come on he's pretty consistent he looked after that ratty old taxidermy thing he made for years tina made a noise somewhere between a snort and a snarl until he set it on fire reassuring how well do you even really know him you spent minimal time with him as a kid you hung out and you were off your faces and then you fucked off to london and didn't talk to him unless you needed to you used to say if it took longer than half an hour you needed to scrub your skin off in a hot shower wes cleared his throat over her hoping the house hadn't heard that look he's not in a position to do anyone any damage all right his mum and dad fucked him up pretty badly i'm amazed he's still alive to be honest he paused. I feel bad for him, T. God, it must be serious. Are you staying over to cosplay Florence Nightingale, or are you coming back to mine tonight? Dunno yet. Do you think I can pull off the dress and a lamp? Wouldn't put it past you. Wes grinned. How about I give you a preview? Easy, tiger. He had made her smile. He could hear it in her voice. Last night was fun, but I don't want it to turn into a habit. Wes blinked, tensing. Look, that was... it wasn't... He lowered his voice, ears burning. It's not a, a thing that happens a lot. Just more recently, you know, the past few... All right, the last six months or so. But I'm clean now, right? It'll get better. He kept his hand over his mouth, checking there wasn't anyone at the door. You can get pills for it now, and there's a doctor on Harley Street who specialises... Oh, for God's sakes, Wesley! Yes, you need to see someone, but it ought to be a fucking therapist. Not everything is about your cock, believe it or not. Before he could protest, she added with hurtful bluntness, I wasn't talking about you not getting it up. I meant sex in general. The whole friends with benefits thing. I just think your family and mine don't mix, and things are already complicated. How do you mean we don't mix? Wes flushed hard, trying to recover. All that's ancient history. You're not ditching me, are you? T, come on, I need you right now. There was a long pause and a heavy sigh. Wes waited, heart hammering. He wasn't sure he could stick to anything if he didn't have the accountability, and Tina Harris was not only one of his oldest friends, but she could and would kick his arse into next week if he lied to her about anything, which often limited the scope of their conversations. He didn't know how to tell her that he valued this, that it helped to have someone in his life he knew he could trust completely, who needed no explanations and understood his background and knew him much better than even his partners did, even if he couldn't always be open with her in return. I can't lose you, T. He tried to backtrack. Look, even if our families haven't worked well together in the past, isn't that more reason for you to stick around now? I'll tell you what they're all up to, and... And look, how's this? If I ever think he's a danger to Carrie, you'll be the first to know. I doubt Carrie would listen to me anyway. He gave a quick glance around the room as he said that, but the avatar was still fully focused on her lodger, and the room wasn't paying him any attention. At least, he didn't feel a presence in it, or any indication the walls had ears, literal or otherwise. I'll do regular check-ins, like you're doing for me, yeah? How about that? Do you mean it? Absolutely. He wished she could remember how sincere he was being. So you don't have to worry, you know? Or do anything... drastic? She made a little noise in the back of her throat that put him on alert. What? What was that? 
What have you done, Tina? I didn't want to do this, but I've... I've already taken precautions. Wes frowned. What precautions? When? A few weeks ago, when she said he was getting moody. Things were bad with his parents. I was scared he'd take it out on her, and I'd hoped she'd throw him out before now, to be honest. Tina gave a short huff of breath against the phone speaker. Tina, what did you do? I just called up an ancestor, one already bound to the family in the area, you know, to keep an eye on things. Well, I say called up, I mean I asked. You don't call up something like him. Wes went cold. Something Ricky had said when they were about ten years old echoed back at him from nowhere, the sensation jogging his memory. Don't speak Welsh, a young Ricky had scolded Tina on a rare occasion they met after the puppy incident. Old words bring old things out, Gran says. Tina had learned two Welsh words from her mother, who had a Welsh grandfather, and she said them just to piss Ricky off. It had been more than that, though. Now Wes thought about it with the eye of adulthood. Ricky had been really frightened. What old things? Wes asked out loud under his breath. I mean, what ancestor? What's out there? He's not exactly an ancestor. He's not exactly a man at all. I think he used to be, but now he's something else. Like Carrie's an avatar of the house. I think he's become an avatar of... story? No, that's not right. More like of everything that's ever been written about him. A chill crawled over Wes's nape, and he watched the hairs on his arms pricking to attention as he shivered. At least something still does. I presume you mean somebody dead. Oh, he's not dead, Tina said, and Wes's eyes watered with a sudden low-level dread that snaked up through the base of his belly, cold and insidious, to wind tightly around his lungs. He glanced over at the view across the lawns and started. A man was looking in the window. Wes sprang off the sofa and nearly tripped headlong on the edge of the rug. Jesus Christ! Wes, what's happened? He shot a frantic look back at the man behind the panes. But there was nobody there. Just an ornamental shrub. The heavy brown curtains and beveled glass of the large window were playing tricks on his eyes. His heart rattled against his ribs. Nothing. I thought I saw... No, I'm I'm seeing things. I'm fine. God, you scared me. He gave a short laugh. Scared myself. If he wasn't careful, the stress would trigger his hallucinations again. Tina had warned him to take it easy. What's up with you? Katie asked from the doorway, making him jump again. Nothing. Wes made a show of recovery. I'm on the phone. His sister pulled an apologetic face. Sorry. No, no. Wes steadied his breathing. T, I'll see you tonight, yeah? Talk later? As long as everything's fine. She sounded unconvinced. Are you drinking that solution I made up for you? Wes had forgotten all about that. I... I actually... I'm at Carrie's right now. I'll take some when I'm back at yours, okay? Look, I'll let you get back to it. Katie's here. Ricky's in a bad way. Not violent or anything, but it's all going on. Talk tonight, yeah? Bye, love. Bye. He hung up over her wary goodbyes. That's all we need to be stalked by a bloody dead guy. Thanks a lot, T. You bet your sweet ass will be having words tonight. He hoped his expression didn't give Katie more to worry about. Sorry about that. 
He pushed his hands into his back pockets. Huh. How is he? Katie chewed her cheek and winced. There's like sludge in the in the wounds, like some residue. Do you think that's no idea? This was not what Wes wanted to hear. Had they gone and made something to control their son and botched it? If Wes hadn't taken Granny Wen's ointment off them for his own leverage purposes, this would never have happened. Then again, maybe if they had been able to overpower him properly, Ricky would be dead right now. Maybe Wes had saved his life. He clung to this possibility, the version where he was some kind of hero. Let's see if the doctor can analyse it. Do you know something about it? Wes hated the way she looked at him. He shook his head. What would I know? Katie narrowed her eyes. What if they did something to him that stopped him from changing? Could be. Wes scratched his cheek, a headache flaring behind his eyes. If we clean him up, wash it off, that might help. Is that what you're thinking? Katie shrugged. She moved by him to take a seat in the armchair, tucking her legs up underneath her. Wes swivelled casually, watching her. You're not in contact with anyone here, right? Nobody saw you? You didn't give your actual name on the phone to the surgery. You're supposed to be dead. Katie's jaw clenched. Yeah, don't worry. I'm just a killing machine. Killing machines don't have real lives. He shrugged this off, not knowing what to say. The pounding in his head was dull and persistent. When it's done, there'll be other things to do. Think about that. It was weak comfort, but he couldn't think. God, I think... I think... I think I need some water. Katie didn't follow him into the kitchen, and Wes stumbled down the hall as spots burst in front of his eyes. Not again! He made it into the kitchen and nearly fell down the steps. The sink swam in his peripheral vision. Wes was overwhelmed by a dizzying wave of vertigo. The kitchen shifted and disappeared around him. One moment he was sure of the floor under his feet, and the next he was somewhere else. The world had changed. He saw three futures laid one on top of the other, strobing around him. As he tried to focus on a whirl of sunshine and shoppers, screams and smoke, they peeled apart for his clearer examination. London, a street he recognised. Everything normal and fine. People going about their business. Shops and bustle and normalcy. Nothing of note. Nothing new. Why was he seeing this? But then... A world of darkness and thick smoke blocking the sun, shapes moving, fragments of massive hulking forms, eyes blinking like fairy lights, the sound of distant screams. Wes found himself in a world of swirling smoke, chemicals thick on the air. Far away, an explosion sent another mushroom cloud bursting into the sky, and a pigeon hit the ground in front of him, dead before it smacked into the street. The road was full of dead things. Human arms poked out from beneath cars and piles of uncollected rubbish spilled from bins and bags. Some great shape loomed over a building, backlit by the flames of a chemical fire, and Wes saw a great eye, searing its dispassionate disdain deep into his soul. The vision shifted. Now back to normal. The sun shining. A shopping day. Wes stood in Fairwood House's kitchen with the London bustle buffeting him on every side, disorientated and confused. He tried to focus on the pendle stone in the hearth below the great range, but a woman with a burden of high-end shopping bags walked straight through it on her way to Harrods. Wes blinked, and everything was fine. The sky was blue. And then, 
A third vision overlaid it, disrupting his view of the street. He was plunged into another world entirely where car horns blared and music blasted from everywhere, reverberating around his skull. The shopper and her bags and the blue sky all melted and were replaced by a whirl of dancers, building fires billowing from broken windows, sirens and an orgiastic celebration of chaos. Wes spun around as naked, screaming people wielding homemade weapons and covered in blood whooped and danced around a telegraph pole where posters of a face, only a face and no writing, were stapled, covering the entire pole in a greyscale paper skin. Everywhere Wes looked, the face winked at him, slipping in and out of his consciousness, and it was the only thing that people cared about. All around him were bloody bacchants revelling in a drama of sacrifice and self-mutilation. Someone was screaming joyously on their knees before a billboard, ripping their designer clothes to rags and cutting off chunks of themselves with what looked like a potato peeler as an offering. No, no more. Holy fucking fuck, make it stop. The world spun back into focus, cold flagstones under his back, the fresh white of the ceiling greeting him as he regained consciousness. Wes came to on the floor, gasping. "'I'll take the shopping day,' he mumbled, rolling onto his side. "'Jesus, fuck!' Using the kitchen table to regain his footing, he tumbled into a chair, sinking his head into his hands. "'Christ on a bike and backers on the handlebars!' Wes raised his head a little, but the kitchen was still spinning slowly. He lowered it again into the crooks of his arms, seasick. He needed Ricky to look into the future and tell him for sure which one of the visions was real, or if it was all just some bullshit his brain was spewing out as it recovered from the cocktails he drenched it in. Where's you in here? He closed his eyes at his sister's voice. Yeah, just feeling rough. Give me a sec, babe. God, not two of you. He heard her patter down the steps behind him and then the sound of the tap. A glass of water was set on the table. Shall I look for painkillers? Yeah, babe, that would be brilliant. Wes managed a few sips and put his head back on the table. God, I hate being sober. It was the most honest thing he'd ever said in front of her, and he instantly regretted it. Katie patted his shoulder and put two ibuprofens into his hand. You got this. It was a simple gesture, and three simple words, but Wes downed the tablets with a renewed confidence. In case you forget my expression, that meant a lot to me, he said into his arms, not even sure if she was still in the room. He thought he heard her give a small, hm, and then the scrape of wood on stone as a chair moved closer. Her hand rubbed his back. Wes decided to keep his apocalyptic visions to himself for the time being, at least until Ricky could confirm them one way or the other. He rested under the touch of the girl who had irrevocably changed his life, trying not to hate her for it. Thank you.